Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Claire Carlyle, a chartered marketer and local search expert at Bright Local. So this means we're talking about local SEO strategies. Thanks for downloading. Now, every local business needs to know a little bit about local SEO and the ways to attract more customers and clients from geographic searches. But it can be a bit of a hassle and a bit of a nightmare to manage. So help is on hand from Claire Carlisle, who's a local search expert working for Bright Local, which is a tool that helps you manage your local searches and reviews with confidence. Now, we talk about the types of businesses who can create Google business profiles, the importance of reviews, how to get more of them. and lots more tips and advice. You can find Claire on Twitter and make sure you check out the Bright Local website as well. There's loads of links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Can I also very quickly invite you to my new Facebook marketing group. Lots of networking, podcasts, tips, advice, all of that stuff. Links in the show notes. Now, the first thing I asked Claire was to define who can use a Google business profile. Is it just for local bricks and mortar businesses? So there is, I can't remember the name of the section in the Google business profile hmm. um, outline. So to you need to be eligible. And so eligibility for a Google business profile listing is pretty important because if you're not eligible, then you can uh, lose a listing that you've spent a lot of time building up. So you need to be either having um, a bricks and mortar business um, or a place where people can make in-person contact with you, or you need to be a service area business so that you are meeting the needs of people perhaps in their houses or in their homes or their place of work in a specific geographic area. So you could be a hybrid of those two, but you need to be one or the other. How does it kind of work? Because I know there was quite a bit of fuss many, many, many years ago about companies, organisations who've got like offices and and little places within uh, kind of like these group offices, like a Regis or something or, I don't know, a a big office block or something. Mm -hmm. Can Google distinguish between different businesses within the same building? Yeah, so... um... I think there's a couple of layers to that, really. Um, mm. One of them. So, a re- what's a Regis? Tell me what that is. Yeah, the, the Regis, and we've got one not far from from where I live, and it's like uh, it's it, it's it's one building, and you basically you rent an office on a monthly basis. Yes. So you've got many, many, many different yes. businesses, all with the same address. Yes. Cool. So yes. Um, If you are, say, for example, somewhere like that, or you're Mm. in a co-working space, you do need to have uh, and be able to show Google that you have permanent signage. So you wouldn't be able to sit um, at a desk that you don't have full time at a co-working space because you need to have a dedicated permanent signage. And it needs to be somewhere that you are making contact with people during the hours that you say that you're open. When you um, rent in, um, say, the example you've just given, the Regis, Hmm. you're fine. Um, Google will want to see, again, evidence of normally they'd like to see the plate, you know, when you have your um, address and the name of the business on the plate as you go in. And then normally you'd have it outside as well at the door. So Google would probably want to see that in that example. The thing that you fall um, 
that can be a problem is if you are in um, a shared space with people who are in the same business as you, so in the same sort of primary category, say, for example, you had three or four different law firms yeah. operating out of the same address, you're going to get some sort of filter applied there. So it's best not to share a workspace with your competitors. Yeah, it gets complicated, doesn't it? It is quite complicated. Yeah. You, you don't think of it, it's, oh, it's a business profile, I'll just throw my stuff. But then when you actually look into it, because, I mean, these WeWork places are quite popular, particularly with freelancers and that, who yes. might have clients coming to them. Yes. And you might have six marketing freelancers all on the same desk. Yeah, for sure. So I'm um, in a co-working space. Right. Um, and I have my own office in the space. Yeah. So I can have my... Um, you know, my business name on the outside. But you just need to be aware of that. And using PO boxes, that type of thing, those are all things that are going to be against Google's guidelines. And, you know, there are a lot of people that will be using Google business profiles for the for the wrong reason, for sort of um, yeah. spammy reasons. So obviously Google is going to be um, policing these uh, to some sort of extent. And, and if they're not, your competitors certainly will be. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about an, anything new that Google have introduced in the past, I don't know, six months to a year. Has, has the business profile thing changed much? Yeah, well, apart from um, the name change. Um, yeah, because it, well, it used to be Google My Business, didn't it? It's yeah. been lots of different things. So in my time, um, it was, you know, we've had Google Places, Google Business. It's been yeah. lots of lots of different things. Um so the current uh, iteration is called Google Business Profiles. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I love working with like GMB or Google Business Profiles is the fact that it does change so quickly. Yeah. So um, there were a lot of changes, especially at the start of um, COVID, which sure. showed um, the people that are interested, you know, businesses and agencies that work with Google Business Profiles, <clears throat> that it was possible to um, have fast changes very quickly when there was a sense of urgency, which there, there was. Obviously, it was a massive time of changes. Businesses were pivoting to new ways of working, yeah. and often Google business profiles were the first thing that, that um, customers and potential customers will see when they're trying to understand, you know, are you open? Um, are you offering curbside? Are you offering delivery? You know, yeah. what is the state of play with regard to do I need to mask up? How safe will it be for me that uh, for me to be there? So I would say some of the biggest changes to the Google business profile um, in terms of um, how fast they rolled out were at the start of COVID. And there will be new things happening in business profiles you know, I would say monthly, there's lots of really great places that you can find out what is happening um, in them, but they will add features, take fe features away. Um, it is very much a very, very moving, moving landscape. Is that a way of describing yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots absolutely. of changes. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you think it's uh, on a search perspective of kind of like the discovery side of it being found? in Google. Is having a business profile pretty much essential nowadays? Yeah, if you have the type of business which qualifies yeah. for yeah. a business profile, I would say that you um, will definitely be at a disadvantage if you don't have one. Um, there are various ways that Google uses the information in your Google business profile to display um, results about your business in the search engine results pages. And that could be 
when someone was making a brand brand name search for you. It could be um, in the map pack. It could be in Google Maps itself. In the app, there are so many places that Google will surface business information for you um, that is essentially powered by your Google business profile. Um, so, so it is very important. Is there a relation between your business profile and like all the little businesses and the pins and everything on Google Maps? Yeah, so that is in part um, powering that information. Right. So yes, your Google business profile, as well as other parts of um, the sort of digital landscape can get pulled into your business profile. Um, but yes, they'll be drawing on the information that you add in that business profile and the information that third parties and, you know, maps users that's another uh, mm. issue dash opportunity so there, there, there are lots of things that will be b being pulled into the information that google is presenting um your potential customers with at their point of search that are powered by the business profile so it makes sense to make sure that that is up to date and is compelling and click worthy yeah uh, reviews are obviously a part of this business profile thing. Are, are they as important as we think they are? I think we have to ask ourselves as sort of consumers and users of products and services ourselves, how important are yeah. they to us? And I think um, whenever I ask myself that question, I always say, yes, they're very important. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so especially in, in the in the business profile, so reviews, um, there are two ways that reviews are very important. One is reviews are important to our potential customers to help them to make decisions and choose one business over another. And secondly, um, reviews are thought to be very important or um, a primary ranking factor um, in the actual um, local algorithm. So there's two reasons that we need to make sure that we have a number of reviews and good reviews, and that's because Google sees reviews as being very important in how it um, returns um, the results on the, on the, on the page. Mm. And also, it's going to be important for our customers. How are the reviews policed? Are, are Google any good at policing reviews and, and kind of getting rid of the, the fake stuff that comes along? I, I mean, there is a massive, like, it's almost like there is a, um, an industry um, yeah. for people that are dealing with um, fake reviews, spammy reviews, difficult reviews. So Google is very clear on the guidelines for reviews in terms of uh, what, what, who should post and about what. Um, so you can always go and refer to that. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes in, um, on, uh, yeah. in the Google's uh, guides. And then, so a lot of the time, uh, someone that might, you can flag a review if it, if it contravenes those terms and conditions. Right. You can then um, get in touch with Google support. If it is very, if, you know, it's very difficult to prove this wasn't written by an actual customer. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it can be very clear if there's like profanity or if it's related to a business, um, you know, it's not for the right business, then it's quite easy to show to Google that it's it's not the right review and to get it removed. But it can be very, very difficult to remove reviews. Yeah, because I've, I've heard stories where where like a new little restaurant or a new little little butcher's shop or whatever it is, or hairdressers has kind of moved into a town. Mm -hmm. And the existing businesses in that town have, have got on Google and Facebook and places and just piled on them. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. they can they spot this sort of stuff or? 
Oh, there's, oh, there's, I think it needs to be a case by case basis. It's um, going into those guidelines. Actually, you, you, you know, you can't have an argument with Google and just say this isn't a proper review. You need yeah. to um, show show your case. You need to say this is the part that it's contravening. Um, looking at patterns of reviews as you start to I mean this isn't my specialism in terms of spam fighting and reviews but there's plenty of people that can go on and say okay well it's obviously a review network you can see pretty easily when you click through to the person that has left the review um the nature of um I don't know their relationship with local guides who else they've reviewed um, what the, you know, wh whether um, they're just reviewing the same type of business in lo lots of different places geographically. Mm. Um, when you become savvy about these things, it's easy to see a sort of dodgy review footprint. Yeah. Can you um, reply to people's reviews? Yes, you can reply. Uh, it's very important to reply. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you can uh, reply to reviews. And I can't remember exactly when Google brought this in, but Google will actually notify the user uh, when a business has replied. So um, that's another signal that uh, Google is is saying, to, well, you know, wanting businesses to reply to reviews. Yeah, I think it's a good way to combat the spam as well. So a great one I saw, oh, ages and ages and ages ago was a, somebody complaining about a restaurant somewhere or other saying, oh, we had this terrible meal. We came last Monday and it was awful and it was terrible and it was mm -hmm. cold and blah, blah, blah. And then the, the restaurant had replied and said, we actually closed every Monday, so you didn't come in. <laughs> I don't know where you were. <laughs> it's like <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and I think you. Yeah, and so what sort of tactics can we kind of deploy to try and encourage more reviews from our customers? And that can we just sort of like say, hey, leave us a review on Google? Yeah, but I mean, asking for them is probably mm. you know it, it sounds obvious, but it's yeah. a lot of businesses don't. But so I work with them. Um, quite a few businesses on what, what we call their review and feedback loop. So it's understanding the touch points, um, where we need to get the reviews, but the touch points in the, the customer, you know, journey or relationship or experience of the products and services, when is the best time to ask? Also, where do we need to get them? Obviously, we're looking for reviews on Google, but also it's nice to uh, collect some first party reviews that we can use, um, you know, maybe if we're adding uh, markup to our websites or testimonials, we might, might want to collect some first party stuff. Mm. Um, so we can, you know, there's quite a lot of software, Bright Local um, offers um, like a review software. There's qu quite a few, um, you know, software as service providers um, that allow you to um, ask uh, by email, by SMS. Um, but the most important thing is just sitting down. So rather than going, oh, this all sounds very difficult and um, I'm not sure how I'm going to put this process in place, sit down, understand um, who can be asking, um, at which touch point uh, should you be asking. Um, even little, so if you think about the actual tactics, you've got um, little review cards you can leave, you can sure. email people, it could be a QR code, um, it could be um, a follow up. Um, request you know yep. e email request but there are a lot lots of so the, the most important thing is to ask and the second yeah. most important thing is to um have a, a process in place whereby someone is actually monitoring those reviews um so you can respond but also not forgetting the element of of learning that comes from seeking customer feedback because it's not just a, a, a um, either a hand slapping or back tapping um uh, process. It's actually uh, a process for us to collect insight um, and to learn from that to improve our products and services. Yeah. 
Um, so, so what about all the little tactics we can use maybe away from the business profile that, that can attract local searches? Do we still need a website? Yes. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of small businesses, tiny businesses, hairdressers and folk, beauty salons mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. have literally just got a Facebook page now. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. So you, you understand why that might be. Um, yeah, well, it's easy, best, isn't it? It's easy. It's, to, yeah. it's easy. You, 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 know, you don't need a designer developer no. to put that together for you. Um, but really, you want to be owning, you know, you want to be owning your information, yeah. um, which, you, which you're not doing if you're doing it via a Facebook page. So um, a Facebook page, you know, it's still still in, in, important and useful. But even if it's a simple one page website, then having that where you own the information in terms of your opening times, maybe, you know, your products and services, a, a description of the business, maybe your contact details, um, some um, contact capture so people can um, leave messages or click to call or click to email. But it's really important for you to um, start earning the equity uh, that comes from having a small business website that will be linked to. So rather than people linking to your Facebook page, people will then link to your website. Um, The um, authority and the information on your website also feeds into your rankings in local search. So um, having um, a web, you know, a good, clean, indexable, fast to load website with the correct information on is going to be um, important to your prospects and obviously important to Google. Do you think Google kind of like distinguishes between a website and a Facebook page being used as a website? Um, well, I, I don't know, uh, t- t- you know, to what extent can Facebook, can, can Google like index yeah. and draw all the information from a Facebook page? Um, you, you know, you don't, any authority of that page in terms of people talking about it, you, you don't own that, do you? It's no, not no, of course, your no. website. Yeah. So Google, obviously, if, if in the absence of a website, if I was searching for a business with a very specific name, and maybe I'm adding a geo modifier to the end of that, saying, you know, Ludlow or wherever, then um, the results for that business, I'm not going to see a business website, I might see the Facebook page, I might see maybe if it had a a, a Yelp list, I don't know, it might be um, third party listings websites. Um, But as a consumer, I really want to see that business (laughs) website so I can click through to it and find out the information that I need, maybe make a booking. But of course, um, you know, Facebook pages can work and do work. For businesses sure. but it's just not the um, optimum setup from a marketing perspective yeah no I, I kind of agree with you that, that I think a website for your business is important the argument I kind of get from folks when I've spoken to them is is that uh, not not about the, like the cost factor and the easy how easy it is to set up a Facebook page but folks have kind of like said to me you know most people are spending their time in Facebook. This is where they live, mm-hmm. where they are. They can yeah. also, I can also build almost like a little community around my mm-hmm. local shop. If I mm-hmm. try and do that on a website, we're talking about a bit of an expensive and big job there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, stick to what you, you know, what works best mm. in terms of uh, a platform. So do those things on Facebook, which you know, depending on whether or not you've you've got the type of um, target market that exists on Facebook. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people that don't use Facebook. Sure. Um, for example, me. So I wouldn't find your <laughs> yeah. business or be referred to your business on Facebook because I'm not a user of Facebook. Um, but yeah, you, you're not necessarily looking, you know, you, you don't think that 
having a small business website is going to replicate the functionality of a social media channel. It, they're, they're two different beasts. So um, make the most of both of them. And then imagine that someone is Googling your brand name. They might be seeing your website, your Twitter feed. They might be seeing your Facebook page. They might be seeing a third party review site. Because what you want to do is make sure that you own the, you know, the entire search engine results page for your brand. So Facebook is just another way to get visibility. Yeah, yeah, sure. And th- this is exhausting. I mean, if I if I was a hairdresser or if I was running a beauty salon, that sounds a great idea, actually, that does. Yeah, sounds you should easier. do it. I should do that, yeah. yeah. Um, I would come to you for my hair. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, grade one every time. Um <laughs> It's exhausting, isn't it? Because if you change your business hours, right, you've got to update Google business profile, got to update Facebook page, you've probably got half a dozen other things, and then you've got to monitor your reviews. This can become exhausting for a small business owner. Is it better to kind of hire someone to look after all of this? I think it probably it probably depends in terms of you know mm. what is your internal resource whether that is the number of um you know uh woman or man hours or human hours that you have to work on these things it might be that you're really passionate and interested in those things yeah. um or if you can find a really nice uh trusted um proper marketing focused um marketer that can work mm. with you put together a simple strategy and give you some training on um tactical Im- implementation then that is also a lovely way to work so it really does depend on the small business itself but um you know as we were you know chatting about earlier to to expect a small business owner to be able to do these things and navigate this yeah. is 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 too much really so um Finding either some some free training or a really good uh, trusted uh, marketer that can work with you, um, if you have the budget for that, um, a small business will definitely see return if they if they choose the right person. Yeah, would would you would it be a good idea to pick a local person for your business? Would they know the area, know know things about the area more than than somebody from a far flung land? I think there's pros and cons to both there, really. Mm. Um, I think um, em- employing and working with someone, especially if you work in like hospitality or tourism, yeah. um, can be very useful for someone that is um, very au fait with the competitive landscape um, or, you know, whether it's, you know, geographical landscape, socioeconomic, they'll really know about where you function. Sure. That person could also be a, a remarkable networker that could be um, evangelizing your brand and your business geographically. But alternatively, you might, you might not need that or you might find the, um, the specialism and, um, that you need elsewhere. So, again, it, it totally depends on the, the type of business, I would say, yeah. and what they're looking for. Yeah, because I was thinking if somebody came to me to look after their Facebook page or their Google My Business page for a beauty salon again, right, and they said to me, do a post about brows, I mean, I wouldn't have a clue. I could help you with that. You could help me with that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. But it's kind of trying to find somebody who knows a little bit about what you do yeah, already. Yeah, sure. Isn't it? And that's yeah. one of the things, isn't it, about like niching down yeah. as, a, as, a, as a small business marketer. Um, you know, do you want, is your niche, I work with businesses locally and geographically that's my niche or it might be my niche is working with driving instructors or it's working with home services and it could be anywhere in the uk but i'm very familiar with that niche and the best way the best route to market so um there's lots of different people with lots of different ways of working so again it just depends on on what that small business is looking for 
Yeah, fascinating stuff, Claire. Thanks um, ever so much. Where can we find you? Where's your website and your, well, I wouldn't say your Facebook page, but, but <laughs> whatever you've got. <laughs> so I um, am the local search expert at Bright Local, which right. is a software as a service, um, local SEO platform for um, mostly working with wonderful agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me there where I am contributing content to the Academy So if anyone wanted to learn um, some more about local SEO, they have a range of free courses that are absolutely brilliant um, by a range of people in the local SEO niche. So that's where I am most of the time. And also I am on Twitter um, at Claire Carlisle. Fantastic. What I'll do, I'll leave some links in the show notes. Folks can just tap on those pretty quickly. Um, Thanks ever so much for your time, Claire. Really appreciate it. It was lovely to speak with you. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks again to Claire for her time. Don't forget to check out lots of links in the show notes. They're all there. Just give them a quick tap. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.